Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Brain 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 Pacific Time, 7.40 Mountain Time, 8.40 Central Time, and 9.40 Eastern Time. Thrilled to have you along with us. For those of you that don't know who I am, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon. If you ever miss these calls, you can pick them up on an app called SoundCloud, where these calls are archived, by putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90, or Frank Lomas and Solutions, the digit for anti-aging, wherever you get your podcasts through whatever podcast service you get, get your podcast through. They're archived now back more than 11 years. If you're listening to this and it's a podcast and you wish to catch just live, dial into 712-775-8972. And when it prompts for the conference code, put in 910022. And we would be thrilled to have you along with us. As I said, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon. These TR90 support calls happen at this time. And... You're more than welcome to join us. That TR90 program, when you're first starting out, is that really good clean, lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. Taking your supplement 15 to 20 minutes before a meal, if it's possible. If it's not, just take it with your meal. still works. But the... Actual instructions say 15 to 20 minutes before the meal, and if you can do it, that's great because that actually makes it work a little bit synergistically better. Seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. That will give you macronutrients, micronutrients, and fiber. And um, as I discussed in the last week or so, fiber is one of the two keys to really having super success with this program, and it is a lifestyle change. The other key is exercise, 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise, which is also really important, um, at least five days a week on this program, because as I said, it's a lifestyle change. Along with the, the fiber and the micronutrients and the macronutrients, guys should be getting about 45 grams of fiber daily, Ladies, you need about 32 grams of fiber daily for good digestive health, amongst many other things, but that fiber is really important. And the closer you can get your fruits and vegetables to their source, uh, the better fiber and micronutrients you have, as we'll be discussing a little bit later today. Drinking plenty of fluid to stay hydrated. The best fluid to be drinking is water. All your other fluid has trade-offs of one sort or another, just something to keep in mind. So you should be getting about one ounce of fluid for every two pounds you weigh. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking a minimum of 50 ounces of water for that fluid. If you're exercising heavily or if you are in a humid area, you'll need to bump that up to offset what you're losing in body moisture. Seven to nine hours of good quality sleep at night is important. That uh, sleep, while you're sleeping, your body does 
a whole series of system resets while you're sleeping, clearing out toxins, storing memories. So it's really important to get that good quality sleep. Um, if you're having some troubles with that, uh, especially if there's a time change or something that's coming up, then you might want to start going to bed at an extra 15 minutes earlier and getting up at the same time until you can gradually work your way back to um, getting your what you need between that seven and nine hour um, amount of sleep for the sweet spot, whatever is best for you. And if you're operating on less than enough sleep, well, it's like having a couple of drinks and it really does mess with a whole bunch of things while you are um, trying to make decisions, making the best decisions for you. A lot of that gets affected by poor sleep. So with that being said, we're going to jump into what I am going to share with you today, which is out of a book that's called Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. And we're talking been talking a bit about um, metabolic syndrome and what some of the things that help cause it and how exercise and fiber are two of the things that really help to mitigate it. But some of our problems are from having um, some environmental obesogens. And those are the things that actually um, disrupt or an endo, uh, endocrine disrupting chemical. So what is an, oh, and this is written by Robert H. Lustig, MD, MSL, just so that you know. Um, scientists have coined the term obesogen to refer to endocrine disrupting chemicals, or EDC, that promotes weight gain and obesity in people. Obesogens can promote obesity in a variety of ways, like estrogen. They can increase the number of or promote fat storage into existing fat cells. Obesogens can alter the energy balance in favor of storage of calories and reduce the amount of calories burned at rest. They can change the mechanisms through which the body experiences appetite or satiety. In other words, obesogens can insidiously hijack the body's energy balance system, making energy go places that are detrimental to your metabolic health. It doesn't take much for any chemical to be, to be an estrogen. Human estrogen receptor is extraordinarily promiscuous. It'll hook up with just about any chemical that strikes its fancy. And there are there are loads of chemicals that make estrogen receptors go wild and lose all of its inhibitions, promoting breast development, including fat cell differentiation, which means weight gain as well. Estrogens are everywhere. They're in our food, our plastics, our water supply. Until recently, they were used in our pesticides. Perhaps the most famous of these compounds is the 
pesticide DDT used in great abundance during World War II to control malaria and typhus among the troops. This chemical worked to kill off insects because it was an estrogen, because it was an estrogen. Rachel Carson's book in 1962 titled The Silent Spring indicated that DDT was the cause of animal disease and human cancer. The pesticide was banned in the United States in 1972 and in Mexico in 1997. Here's the kicker. DDT has been absent from the United States for four decades, yet its metabolite DDE can be found in the urine of pregnant women, even those who were born after 1972. Among many implications for health, the concentration of DDE in pregnant women's urine predicts the weight of their children at age three. Almost assuredly, DDE is creating extra fat cells before the baby is even born. Could this be driving childhood obesity? Another well-known estrogen in our newest environmental boogeyman is bisphenol A, or BPA. This compound is leached out of every time an acid touches a polycarbonate plastic bottle. In other words, every consumable liquid in the United States, in America, BPA is used in a multitude of commercial products and BPA cancer link is strong enough that the state of California has passed a ban on BPA in baby bottles, kids' toys, and kids' toys that will go into effect in 2013. BPA is associated with fat cell differentiation, and urine BPA concentrations are correlated with BMI in adults. But remember, correlation is not causation. The last of our big-time estrogen exposures is genistein, a soy and alpha estrogen. Genistein drives fat cell differentiation in rats. Exposure at birth predicts fat, uh, increased fat deposits at three and four months. And because it's in soy, it's in everything we eat. Even if you're a carnivore, the meat you consume will be from animals that were fed soy products. If you are a vegetarian, you're still, you'd still be ingesting it in your milk and cheese. And vegans are likely eating lots of soy products anyway, for example, tofu and tempeh. So no one is immune. Whether genocide contributes to human obesity is still unknown. The data is being collected now. However, given the ubiquity of soy products in our food supply, it's still a cause for concern. Then we have phthalates. Like the new shower curtain smell, those are phthalates, plasticizers that render plastic soft and pliable. Phthalates are used in a large variety of items from the coatings on pharmaceutical pills and nutritional supplements to personal care products. 
to children's products such as rubber duckies. In adults, urine thiolate levels correlate with adiposity, waist circumference, and insulin resistance. And most recently, thiolate levels in the urine correlated with waist circumference in New York City children. Again, while this is a correlation and not a causation, it is still highly worrisome. Then we have the atrazine and other organal chlorines. Atrazine is an example of an organal chlorine, a pesticide that is highly teratogenic, that is causing structural malformations in living things. Think tadpoles. In this implication, this has implications for a human development, abnormalities, and childhood cancer. Atrazine use has been banned in Europe, but not in the United States. Iowa is awash in atrazine because it is the chief pesticide for the corn and uh, the state's corn crop. And for the past two decades. There has been a dead, quote, unquote, dead zone in northern, northern Gulf of Mexico, killing nearly all the fish in the Delta due to the atrazine runoff down the Mississippi River. Blood atrazine levels correlate with adiposity and insulin resistance in adults, again showing that atrazine causes human obesity is still a long ways off. And I think I'm going to stop there for today. Um, we've got a few more of those other things that will be causing that, that type of stuff. We will be um, probably jumping into that on Monday. So this is Susan Mann from Portland, Oregon, signing out for February 17, 2023. At the top of the hour, if you scoot over to Facebook, One Team Global Live, one of our leaders will be sharing some information on how to build a new skin business. I also want to um, really encourage you to come back on Monday to catch that. And I also want to put a great thank you out to both um, Frank Lomas and Brian Curry because without our two technical geniuses, I don't know what we would do about keeping these calls up and running for you guys. With that, I'm going to take us off mute so that you can share any thoughts, comments, or questions you may have. So there we have it, my friends. Some of those obesogens that are causing disruption in our bodily systems and causes some of our uh, weight gain and why it's important to make the lifestyle change. So if you're thinking, um, if you're a carnivore, I would go with probably more of your grass-fed, pasture-raised animals because they're going to be more safe and beneficial for you. With that, if there's no other thoughts or comments, I am going to say goodbye, and we'll see you back here on Monday.